This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report, episode 257 on a lovely Monday evening, January 29th, 2024. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my co-host, Trevor Hewlin, here at The Door Report for the last time. We are sponsored by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Trevor, a lot of basketball to discuss. Not a lot of good basketball to discuss on episode 257 here. No good basketball. So. <laughs> Zero good basketball. Uh, it took a week off for us. I'm not going to lie, guys. It felt kind of good. It felt kind of good. Um, it felt good not having to talk about Vanderbilt sports. Which is sad. Yeah. Because we love talking about Vanderbilt sports. It's my one of my biggest loves in life. This is how far... Jerry Stackhouse. As we get a thumbs down. As we get a thumbs down on the screen here. They don't like that. No. But Jerry Stackhouse has driven this fan base. We've talked about it on previous episodes to a level of apathy that has truly never been seen mm-hmm. within the Vanderbilt fan base. Yeah. And that and that says a lot. Yeah. It, it's a level of apathy that that is close to where Vanderbilt football fans sit. Yeah. If not worse, which is impressive in a way. And I, and I want to get, I don't know if we want to go ahead and just jump right into this early, early. Uh, we, we just started the pod. But it, and we were talking about this earlier, like a couple days ago. I know this sounds corny. I know this sounds over dramatic. I don't. I don't care. This is truly how I feel. Um, I l- watched part of the Tennessee game, but I listened to the game in its entirety on the radio. Um, where I'm at with Vanderbilt basketball right now is it feels like something that I have loved my whole life and something that I have cherished my entire life since I went to my first basketball game in 2005 has been taken away from me. And it feels that way because that's, that's the case. Vanderbilt, we, if Vanderbilt basketball is at historic low. I bonded with my father through Vanderbilt athletics through Vanderbilt basketball. I was going to Vanderbilt basketball games a few years before I ever went to my first Vanderbilt football game. My first ever favorite Vanderbilt player was Ted Scuchis. I, I vividly remember my first game watching him number big, uh, big number 54 and thinking, man, I love Vanderbilt basketball and something that is so special to me and so special to so many Vanderbilt fans. And it's different than football. I get it. We all love football. I think that's also probably a product of, of our region being in the Southeast and being that it is such a, a cult, almost religious experience. But man, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it off the pot. I've talked about it with my dad. I love Vanderbilt football, but whenever you walk into Memorial Gymnasium and you go through the concourse and you look on the ground and you see the black and gold checkered tile as you're walking around and then you get to your seats you you feel like you're in a place to where you're like, man, this place is bigger than me. Like this place has seen some things. This place has seen some moments. This place has had some really great basketball, some really great teams. 
and you feel that history when you're in Memorial Gym and just with Vanderbilt basketball in general, and it's just gone. It's just gone. You don't feel that way when you go to Memorial. You don't feel that way when you're watching Vanderbilt basketball. It feels totally different, and it, it feels like something – it is something that is so special to me. I hate to get all sentimental. Something that is so special to me has been brutally taken away from me and stomped right in front of my face. It's historic Memorial Gym, mm-hmm. and it's sad to hear Vanderbilt's basketball program discussed on the SEC Network halftime show as if it's a make-a-wish program, yeah. as if it's the football program. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was leading Tennessee, I believe, 35-30 to 30 mm-hmm. at half. They had a lead going in to the half in Memorial Gym against number five, Tennessee. And the entire SEC halftime show was about great half from Vanderbilt so far. Tennessee's certainly shooting themselves in the foot a lot, but hell of an effort from Vanderbilt. I don't think anybody expected this. Let's see if they can keep it up going in the second half. It would be really incredible if they could keep this going in the second half. And it's that's not the only thing but it's the entire media the sec media the national media either vanderbilt's not even a thought in their brains or now it's a poverty program Mm -hmm. and that's what has happened over the last seven years the longer this is allowed to continue the worse it's going to be and the more difficult it's going to be for the next head coach to bring it out of the depths that has been brought down to Mm -hmm. and seeing memorial gym in the vanderbilt tennessee rivalry game that is so highly touted and looked forward to by Vanderbilt fans traditionally, looked forward to by Tennessee fans traditionally, as a true rivalry game, Mm -hmm. different than the Vanderbilt-Tennessee football rivalry, Mm -hmm. a real equal rivalry game, and seeing Memorial Gym filled with 70% orange made me a little sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. It made me more sick to my stomach than any horrendous product we have seen on the court the last three, four years. It's been bad. What we saw on Saturday against Tennessee, that was the end of Vanderbilt basketball. I think it was episode 247. The title of the episode was Vanderbilt basketball is dead. Vanderbilt basketball is easily six feet under, mm-hmm. if not deeper. And the, and, the bo- and the body is decomposing. It is. The worms are in the flesh. We knew it when we went to the Presbyterian game and saw Vanderbilt lose to Presbyterian at home on the opening night of college basketball season. And nothing has changed. It, the, the quality of play has gotten worse, if anything. But we have that and much more to talk about here on episode 257. Before we get into all that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. Trevor, it's now time for segment one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into episode 257 of The Door Report, Trevor. Before we get into basketball and discussion about what we've seen on the hardwood, it's time to hop into a little bit of the continued pillaging of New Mexico State University. The Vanderbilt Aggies have been hard at work pillaging the success of the New Mexico State program. (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop, baby. It feels so good to be on this side of the pillaging. Instead of being the one that is getting pillaged, you are the one doing the pillaging. Man, it feels awesome. It feels awesome. Shout out to big homie Piss and Pavia. All my homies love Piss and Pavia. Let's piss on some bozos this season, baby. QB1, Nate Johnson, I hope you do great. I'm cheering for you, brother. It's Piss and Pavia on this side, baby. Players, coaches, continue 
what what did the, what is the term uh that Blake used Western expansion yes, that's man, what man, this is this is Vanderbilt's manifest destiny yes manifest <laughs> destiny it's a gold rush currently and from New Mexico State and gold rush back to Nashville we're just we're going over we're going baby but Vanderbilt continued the pillaging by hiring New Mexico State's offensive coordinator I believe Golly Muhammad Lankford as an assistant head coach running backs coach yeah. at Vanderbilt New Mexico State fans, specifically the Barstool account, were not happy no. about the continued pillaging. Let me find the tweet so I do not misquote Barstool NMSU uh, because we had a little fun with it oh, at yeah. the Dora Pro over here. Man, I've tweeted. Montana, I've tweeted a bit. Montana. Barstool NMSU at Barstool NMSU tweeted, it's actually disgusting what Vanderbilt is doing to us. Can't gain recruiting momentum when coaches keep leaving and your players keep leaving. Mm-hmm. But it's a cold world. It it's is. a cold it's, it's, world, it's a, it's baby. A cold world. That was there. a very prescient episode title. Yeah, for what we for what we then went into with Barstool, <laughs> New Mexico State, but also former Vanderbilt linebacker Harding Harper mm-hmm. has come back home yep. from Alabama, hired as the director of scouting. What was his role with Alabama? Assistant director of player personnel, was, or yeah, something or like player that. Player development, or something like that. Yeah, another good get for Clark Lee and staff the staff is filling out well i will also say too if you were um bama online which i is i i can't remember if it's their 24 7 or their on three board i have memberships to rivals 24 7 and on three so i go back and, and and look constantly but um i was on their board whenever harding harper left and the Bama fans were not happy they they Bama fans were like wow this is a really big not big loss uh, not it's not Nick Saban but they're like man that's that's not good I want to emphasize that that was a very smart move capitalizing in whatever way you can as Vanderbilt on Nick Saban retiring yeah whatever scraps you can get from the success of that Alabama football program it can only help yeah so getting a guy that formerly played within the Vanderbilt program back home big good yeah so we're starting it off with some positivity it's also good that New Mexico State seems very unhappy yeah. with what Vanderbilt is doing. Exactly. Sometimes I was a little bit hazy at first. I know New Mexico State had a good year last year, but part of me was thinking, how upset is New Mexico State mm-hmm. that Vanderbilt is getting these guys? And how much is Vanderbilt actually stealing these guys versus New Mexico State's just looking to move in a different direction? I'm not pretty sure Vanderbilt's taking guys they don't want to have taken. Yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt is going over there and being like, Hey, you have no choice. You're coming with us. And, and it seems like they're coming willingly. Um, absolutely, like you said, absolutely pillaging that program. Love to see Vanderbilt acting like an SEC program. When do we bully the little guys? That's what Vanderbilt needs to start doing. I know it's early. I know we're not even into February yet. Do we have an idea of when the black and gold game is? I am very, very you you talked about it last episode, I believe. I'm I'm right there with you. I am very excited for the black and gold game. I know that they've went ahead and announced, I don't know publicly, but I know it's been posted on message boards. Um, that I believe they're starting spring practice after spring break or something like that. But it starts it starts relatively soon. Um, I'm very excited for that black and gold game. It looks like we have some information here. Uh, no, I'm trying to find some information here, doing some quick Google searches. We will tweet out if we are able to find the information on Vanderbilt's 2024 spring game, but TDR will be. Oh, of course. So when, if you have that information, whoever has it tweeted at us, Yes, we're going to be there. We'll tweet where we're sitting because this is going to be a fun team to evaluate Yeah, this year. A little bit different than last year. It was fun to go see AJ Swan, see these receivers, but more or less, you knew who the guys were going to be. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to tell too much in the trenches in the spring game. You never can. You're more looking at individual guys, more at skill position, looking at quarterback play, looking at corners, looking at your secondaries looking. Because the run game, it's just going to be hard to evaluate. Yeah. Because it's a Vanderbilt O-line going up against a Vanderbilt D-line. Exactly. How much can you really learn from that? Exactly. If you were a part of the Vanderbilt football staff or if you were a Vanderbilt football player and you do interact with us and you do happen to hear this, please slide in our DMs. If you don't want that information outed immediately, we will respect that. But just on a personal fan level, we really want to know because we are very excited for this black and gold game. If it works out schedule and weather-wise, we will have a little tailgate 
before the spring game. Just I mean, to get just to get the juices flowing. If it works out weather wise, I know last year there was some rain. It was just that. like it was cold. It was cold. It was if cold. it's if it is as cold as it was last year, we will not be having a tailgate. But if the weather shorts. works for us, if the weather works for us, we'll have a spring game tailgate. Just get you know little practice reps. Yeah, you yep. know rep getting ready for the regular season, just as the team does. Lot two. Yeah, we got to get the reps in in the off season. Mm-hmm. It's all about improving, growing, becoming a better player and better or unit and organization than you were last year. Yeah. So it's all about reps. You know what they say? Fourth quarter stamina is built in the spring. Exactly. So we've got to go ahead. We have to go ahead. Like you said, get those reps, get those solo cups going. We have to just see, get our body acclimated exactly. to whenever it comes game time in the fall. Um, just so whenever it comes to that fourth quarter and you got that weird fan in your face, let's say it's Texas, you still have the strength and the power to horns down on those bozos. Got to get some six millies in the lip and some 4.2 percenters to follow it up. Yep. Some domestic light beers and some zens will be consumed oh. before the Vanderbilt oh. spring game. And during. And during. And during. And during. Bring some shooters in the waistband. Possibly. I think the spring game is fun too because last year I get that it was at the soccer facility. I thought this is just me personally. I thought that was actually a really fun experience because you were so close to the action, and like we were heckling. Like there was there <laughs> we heckled the refs, but like you could yell at the players, they would like turn and respond. I gave Clark Lee a big shout out. I said, Coach Lee, I love you. He turned, he pointed <laughs> at me. Uh, Coach Lee, I said a lot of negative things last year. I hope you understand that it's just me being a passionate fan. I do apologize. I believe in the boys this year. I believe in what you're doing with NIL. I know that's not all you, but you're my guy. Uh, you've had a sensational offseason so far. You've got me back on board. I think there is, and this will be a good transition into your Vanderbilt women's basketball report. I don't know if it'll be a good transition or not, but we'll see. So, I think there is, and this could all be in my head, some understanding from the football program, the players within it, and the staff that the biggest sign of disrespect is us coming on here and not caring. Mm -hmm. That's way worse than us coming in and criticizing the hell out of decision-making. It's not coming from a negative place. And like we always say, any decision that we disagree with, we hope to be proven incomprehensibly wrong and look like idiots if it results in wins. We just want to see this Vanderbilt program succeed. Unfortunately, a lot of times that comes with negativity. Yeah. So moving over, to the hardwood, Vanderbilt women's basketball stumbled a little bit as of late, losing three out of their last four. Granted, that was was to some very, very difficult competition, including the tightest home game that South Carolina has had this year, losing to this number one ranked South Carolina Gamecocks, 91 to 74. Trevor, you're up. What updates do you have us about Vanderbilt women's basketball? So here's the thing, guys. Oh, here we go. Here's the thing, guys. He's failed you. I'm going to be honest. Don't come for me on Twitter. Even though I say that, for some reason, you guys love hating me on Twitter nowadays. I don't know what happened. I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know where we went wrong. I liked it when you guys were on my side. I think a lot of it has to do with the Eagles. That's over. That's past us. We're on the same team now, guys. Okay? We're on the same team. Please, no more hateful tweets. I'm very sensitive. Uh, Just kidding. Bring the hate because I always bring the hate. With that being said, I have not watched a single Vanderbilt women's basketball game all year long. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm sorry. Uh, Shout out to big homie Aria Gerson. Uh, I haven't been watching because of the TV slots. So that is that is why the TV times have been very difficult on my personal schedule. That is why I've not been able to watch. Uh, So Aria, my dog. The time slots. It's the time slots. It's the time slots it's, it's, and it's game day experience. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's the time slots. Um, somehow, you the, know, the standard, as as the homie on Twitter, I forget what his handle was, had a great tweet. The standard deviation of COVID is somehow still impacting me um, from from partaking in Vanderbilt women's basketball. The the TV time slots, um, the, the constant construction around Nashville, it's hard for me to navigate uh, all the potholes, especially with the snow, I-65. Uh, uh, 440 is a mess. I think a lot of that has to do with it. Uh, those are the reasons uh, that I have not uh, watched any Vanderbilt women's basketball. It's a good reasons. We have to touch on the article that's not a new article, but there was a little bit of, I don't want to say backlash, but some social media interest in a story posted by Ari. Oh, she got ratio, dog. Basically, the article was about the correlation between different things and why Vanderbilt's basketball attendance was declining over the last six, seven years. 
that article frustrated me so much, not because she's wrong. Vanderbilt basketball attendance is declining. 100% the environment inside of Memorial is way worse than it was 10 years ago. I mean, that's not even an argument point. That's 100% agreed upon. The reason for that decline in attendance and the lack of home court environment and home court advantage, it's such an obvious reason why. It doesn't need a deep statistical dive. I don't care if it's not perfectly correlated with wins and losses. It's a progression thing. Yeah. Also, the attendance numbers aren't necessarily tied to the number of Vanderbilt fans Mm -hmm. in the stands. Those are just raw attendance numbers that are always artificially inflated, Mm -hmm. but also inflated by opposing fans. Just win. Yeah. You can write a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand words. If you win, the environment and attendance in Memorial will improve. Mm -hmm. That's it. The moment Jerry Stackhouse is fired, and anyone else is hired, the attendance will improve. Yep. V- Jerry Stackhouse has alienated the fan base on top of the team sucking on the court. Fans take money out of their pocket and time out of their busy schedule to attend these games, a lot of them during the week, during basketball season. It's not some difficult, complex problem as to why the percentage of fans and attendance numbers are down. I do, that's what infuriated me more than it should. It was so unnecessary. And anybody celebrating that article, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like somebody asking, why do more people watch the Super Bowl than watch the AFC or NFC championship games? Because the games mean more. Yeah. Currently, right now, inside of Memorial, the games mean nothing mm-hmm. because Vanderbilt's not going to play in the NCAA tournament. Postseason play is not even a thought or a dream right now. At this Vanderbilt basket with this Vanderbilt basketball program, mm-hmm. it angered me more than it should have. Got the right amount of backlash it should have on social media. To be honest, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm done pulling punches. There's not much to talk about. Aria Gerson's knowledge of baseball, incredible, supreme, supreme. supreme. She knows more about baseball than me or Trevor. Definitely me. 50 times more than I do. I don't know about, if she knows more than me. I think she has more access there to, we, yeah. That's why I wanted to just include me. I don't argue that point at all. She, Van, Aria Gerson does not know anything about Vanderbilt football or Vanderbilt basketball. Mm-hmm. She is the definition of a journalism major who is a sports fan who was hired to do a job. She has no understanding of the history of the programs or how we got here. Or the context or the culture. Outside of what she has read on old Wikipedia articles. That's her understanding. So once you start reading her tweets and explanations and articles from that perspective, things make more sense. Mm -hmm. Because frankly, she just has no idea what she's talking about. No. And in the article, another thing that, that bothered me so much about the article, and maybe this is just me as Phoebe attacks Will viciously. Phoebe, let him go. Um, And maybe this is just me reading more into it than it really should. It was a bunch of numbers. But to me, the more I thought about it, I agree with all the points that you gave. It almost felt like Jerry Stackhouse administration bootlicking. Because all of if you read the article, you read the stats, you're like, okay, but they're just numbers. Yeah, but it's all, okay, why are fans, what's wrong with the fans? Why are they not coming? What are, what? What what's what what could they do better? No, it's not. The fans have not done anything wrong. The real article should have been the reason attendance is down is not because fans can't make it. It's not because fans don't want to go. It's because Jerry Stackhouse sucks and Candace Story Lee continues to bring him back game after game. He should have been fired. I get it. He's he wasn't going to get fired before Congress play. He should have been though. He should have been. This is not a, oh, what's wrong with the fans? Why are fans not coming? This is not on the fans. Fans have paid their dues. Fans have watched and given hard-earned money to watch bad basketball for a long time now. Vanderbilt fans have, have put in the work. They've put in the effort. They've tried to bring the energy last season whenever Vanderbilt had a, a really good run. Fans showed up. That was not a tournament team, but they started playing decent, and fans showed exactly. up. Fans showed up because you're exactly right. Winning cures all. Uh, and in TV time slots, we've said this before. We said this as we were reading the tweet. Dude, if Vanderbilt played basketball on a Monday morning at 12 p.m. at McFerrin Park, 
I would call out of work to go if they were playing like a tournament team. I would. I've called out of work before. Oh my god, I'm gonna. I don't want to hit her. I've Phoebe never, is currently going crazy. I've never hit this cat, but I want to. Um, I have. I've called out of. I've called out of work before. Whenever I was in high school, I didn't go to school because of some games. Like it. It means something to us. And so, yeah, it, dude, you could tell. You could tell some fans that hey, they're going to play in. I don't know Pulaski, Tennessee. They're like, all right, we'll be there if they're winning. Winning cures all. It, it's, you know, having a better game day environment or having better seating options for fans or a better game day experience or daddy's dogs or Chick-fil-A. That's all fine. That That's great. That is not what is going to drive your raw attendance numbers. Can it improve the game day experience for the fans that were already going to show up? Absolutely. It can do that. But num- step number one is you have to win ball games. You can't be 5-14, and 0-6 and in the SEC and expect fans to show up. Yeah. You just can't. I guarantee you Missouri's gym is a ghost town a majority of the time. They're 0-7 in conference. That's why. Mm-hmm. Because they suck. It's very simple. Why is Vanderbilt football attendance bad? Because they've sucked for 50 years. Yep. When James Franklin was the head coach and this team was coming off a bowl berth, those opening night games were electric. That South Carolina game in 2012 was in uh, it was I mean it was basically a sellout. I think there were like a couple thousand short and that stadium was painted nothing but black. There was not gold, there was not white, it was nothing but black shirts in there for the blackout. And that team before that, before that 2011, so they 20 even 2011, that's a losing season. Granted they went to a bowl, you lost. You had a losing season. The two years before that, you went 4 and 20. You went 4 and 20, losing season, losing season, losing season, sellout. Because you gave fans a reason to be there. Yeah, it's very simple. Winning cures all. Now, how you get to winning, you need to build player facilities, need to upgrade the stadium, the NIL collective now. It's more complicated. But winning is step number one. There doesn't need to be a deep, deep dive into the game day experience, TV time slots, traffic situation, other things going on in Nashville. Step number one is winning. Those things you can evaluate if the gym or stadium is still half empty or 70% empty and you're 16 and one. Mm-hmm. Then that's the time you start digging into the underlying yes. root cause. Right now, we know the root cause. The root cause is this team sucks and it's not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I force myself to watch every Vanderbilt basketball game so that I continue to know my takes about this team being shitty or correct. And this team is just shitty. Mm-hmm. And it's horrible to watch. Even that first half of the Tennessee game, that was more because Tennessee was playing awful mm-hmm. in the first half. Not an inkling in my mind, not a minute amount of hope was there that Vanderbilt would actually play 40 minutes of basketball and beat number five Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's over. Yeah. It, it's time. Now, the rumors of the cost of Jerry Stackhouse's buyout, we'll hit on this before we go to the TDR cocktail break. <laughs> And then dig into how bad Vanderbilt has been so far in conference play. The rumors of the Jerry Stackhouse contract buyout. The rumors are it's over $8 million for the buying out the remainder of his contract. That's on Candace Story Lee. Yep. That's on the extension. At the time of the extension, when it was announced, I didn't hate it. Neither did I. I didn't it either. felt like Jerry Stackhouse was possibly on the verge of bringing this Vanderbilt program back to a place of respectability. And in order to lock him in at a price that is probably going to be lower than in the future, they extended his contract. If I would have known there was a buyout of over $8 million for a head coach that has never even made an NCAA tournament, what the hell were you thinking? Giving a buyout to a completely unproven former NBA player whose only coaching, true coaching success has been in the NBA G League. Mm-hmm. Those are numbers you give to a fully proven head coach who has made multiple tournaments and or won multiple conference championships. Mm-hmm. That is inexperience. Yep. That is AD Candace Story Lee. This is her first AD job. It's the first time she's been in this position and she shit the bed horrible decision that has now placed this program in a terrible spot Mm -hmm. and the rumors are that they have been able to accumulate the funds needed to buy out that contract i don't know if those are substantiated i don't know if that's true but if anybody does have sources that can confirm that i don't see a way that you can bring back jerry stackhouse next year no you can't you saw that gym 
it was best case 30% Vanderbilt fans. Mm-hmm. And a majority of those were in the student section. So yep. shout out to the students, however, they still showed up. Yeah. But other than that, I can understand why sidewalk fans didn't want to take time out of their week on a drizzly Saturday evening to go watch Vanderbilt lose by double digits to Tennessee. Mm. I know why they didn't do that. Vanderbilt was a 14 and a half, 15 and a half point underdog at home against their in-state rival. Do you understand how pathetic that is? How shitty Vanderbilt is? It's crazy. Anyone supporting this program, I want to see Vanderbilt win. I hope they don't go 0-18 in conference play. But it might happen. I think it's The going only to reason that I think that's a possibility it won't is Vanderbilt does have Missouri on the schedule. They, I believe, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Vanderbilt does have Missouri on the schedule. And I believe they, yeah, they do have Texas A&M on the schedule. That's the only reason and only place I can see Vanderbilt picking up a win. Other than that, this is the worst team in the SEC outside of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And even then, when you look at the stats, it still might be the worst team in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think, man, and, and we've said it a hundred times. I feel like I say it every freaking podcast. For so long, we were a pro Candace Story Lee pod. And I, I think that she's done... I think I, I I truly do think she's done a lot of good things. This buyout, if true, absolutely inexcusable. And the reason I think it's true is because we were talking about this a couple days ago. I had the theory, and this was before the buyout uh, information surfaced. I had the theory. And I disagreed with it. I, I and said, just to preface, this information is basically just message board talk. Yes. And and a couple other maybe unnamed sources. But really, this is us guessing. Yes. So don't take this as absolute fact. No. But this is the best information we have right There's now. There's an asterisk right here. And like Will said, if you have information, we follow the, hey, don't put that out there. Hey, you can't put that out there. We want to stay anonymous. So we respect all that. We've done this a couple times. We're not idiots. We we understand. We want to get more information, so we will not screw you. Um, but with that being said, I thought the reason that she was keeping Jerry Stackhouse and not firing him in season is because you you after the whole Bryce Drew fiasco, there was a ton of national media that was like, oh, why would you want to take this Vanderbilt job? Such a short leash, such a short leash, such a short leash. And I thought the reason they were doing this is to whenever it comes time to hire a new basketball coach, you can use this as proof and say, hey, we'll give you a long leash. Look at what we did with Jerry Stackhouse. We we honestly, we could have fired him a couple times before this season, but we have a long leash with Jerry Stackhouse. If this information is true, I don't think they were doing it to show the next head coach they have a long leash. They were doing it because they don't have the freaking funds. And I pray to God that this this post is right and that they have somehow allocated this money and, and gotten this this large sum of money. But they were not doing this as a ploy to uh to a new head coach saying, "Hey, look at this." They were doing this because they couldn't afford to cut him, yeah. which is inexcusable. And that is on Candace Story Lee. And that is on Deermeyer. But more importantly, that's on Candace Story Lee. And this doesn't discount what Candace Story Lee has done with Fandy United. No. Getting facility upgrades that I never thought in my lifetime I would even see, mm-hmm. much less as quickly as she has been able to accomplish what Vanderbilt fans have been yelling about for 40 plus years. She was able to do that. That's not discounting that side of what she has done, but this specific contract decision is inexcusable. And it's just a, a tick in the negative column. There are plenty of ticks so far in the positives column, but this is a big time negative. Yep, I agree. Trevor, you think it's time for a TDR cocktail break before we dig into Vanderbilt men's basketball quickly? I'm right there with you, brother. Everyone out there, it's time to grab yourself a cold one, and we will be right back. Welcome back from the TDR cocktail break. Hope you have yourself a delicious cold beverage next to you. Trevor, what are you sipping on? Over there. Uh, water with some creatine in it. Oh, very nice. Bulking up in late January. Hey, dude. No cut happening. The, dude, I have, I've never been on a cut. Dude, my my, my game plan, lift weight, gain weight. That's that's Mass moves that's, mass. Mass baby. moves mass. Hey, if you want to look big, you got to eat big. That's that's just that's just part of it. Shout out to all my boys on Twitter who are trying to get over 200 pounds. I see you. I'm over here in solidarity with you. I'm sitting here at a nice 270 right now. 
I'm trying to get even bigger, boys. You're like, 270, that's kind of heavy. No. Bigger moves weight. Mass moves mass. Mass moves mass. Yes, sir. Weak things break, <laughs> as, uh, as as the homies at Westside Barbell uh, always say. Rest in peace to uh, Louis Simmons. I was going to say Dave Tate, but he's at Elite FTS, which is another gym. Louis Simmons, uh, founder of Westside Barbell. Rest in power. He died like a couple of years ago, but okay. still. Did not know what you were talking about there, but <laughs> RIP in peace. There's one Vandy listener that I know. Alan Richardson. Shout out to Big Al. Strongest Vandy fan in the world. Uh, physically. Physically. His Instagram is crazy. Um, he will know who Louis Simmons is, as Hell well yeah. as Dave Tate. But moving on to non-weightlifting creatine topics. Since we last Wait, recorded. What are you sipping on? I'm sipping on a little uh, whiskey diet Coke over here. Nice. Keep it going. Keep it flowing. A little caffeine, a little alcohol to loosen up the flow. We're ready to rock. It's been a long, long Monday. A lot more days to go in this week. I'm very tired. But <laughs> since we last recorded, Vanderbilt lost by 13 points on the road against Mississippi State. And Vanderbilt also lost by 13 points at home against number five, Tennessee. We're going to mostly discuss the Tennessee game. Vanderbilt lost 75-62, to 62, got absolutely dominated. In the second half, Vanderbilt led 35 to 30 going into halftime and Vanderbilt was outscored 45 to 27 in the second half. It was over as soon as that second half was inbounded. It was done. Vanderbilt was mentally the weaker team. Jerry Stackhouse's adjustments at halftime were literally nothing. And Rick Barnes capitalized on halftime adjustments. And also Dalton Connect just came out and Vanderbilt had nobody that could guard him. Impressive player. I don't want to give too much credit to Tennessee players, but holy shit. He's going to be a lottery. He's a, he's a star. Where he's, did he transfer from? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, he's he's going to be a lottery pick. Uh, I broke my rule, and I will can attest to this. I have not watched a Vanderbilt basketball game since I watched the Memphis game. I think this is the first conference game that I I didn't watch it in in entirety, but I listened on the radio. Um, and and I, I part of it too is just because I hate Tennessee, and I, I I there was a teeny tiny part of me that was like, it, the teeny tiny part of me is actually a big part of me, and it's called mental illness, is what it is. Um, I'm mentally ill, and my brain was telling me, hey, they might pull this off, but my heart was like. No, it's not, which usually it's the other way around. My heart's like, they're going to pull it off. Your brain's like, no, it was the other way, which is how I know that's the mental illness in me talking. Um, but I watched it just because uh, it's Tennessee. And I'm like, man, who cares? I listened on the radio, listened to, I don't even know. I don't even think it was Andrew Allegretta, but. Connect transferred from the University of Northern Colorado, by the way, started out at Northeastern Junior College. How in the world was <laughs> that guy at Northern Colorado? And I think he's averaging more points this year than he was last year. I could be wrong. Some of my Tennessee fans, uh, fans, friends, uh, think that he's a better scorer than Chris Lofton. He's impressive. He has every single tool in the tool belt, and it showed. I think he had, what, 32 points against Vanderbilt? I mean, dude, in the second half, he just turned it on and was yeah, like, dude, these guys can't cover 32 me. 32 points, 13 of 21 from the field, 3 of 7 from the three-point line, 8 rebounds, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks. The dude was an animal mm -hmm. everywhere. But Vanderbilt, turns out, had their best three-point shooting performance in all of SEC play so far against the Tennessee Volunteers. Do you know what percentage Vanderbilt shot from the three-point line that was their best performance of conference play so far? I'm not going to look at your computer, but I'm going to guess it was 32%. 30 30.8%. I was close. Eight, eight of 26 from the three-point line. The best shooting performance Vanderbilt has had from behind <laughs> the three-point arc. All SEC play. All <laughs> conference season is 30.8 fucking percent. And I'm, I actually thought after the Tennessee game, wow, Vanderbilt shot it pretty well from behind the arc. Yeah. And they shot 30%. <laughs> this isn't a coincidence. No. I, this is the main point I wanted to get across on this episode. It's coming in a little later than I anticipated. This one's gone a little longer than I anticipated. It's not complicated. 
why Vanderbilt's team sucks. Vanderbilt cannot shoot the ball behind the three-point line, and they cannot defend the three-point line. Overall, all season, Vanderbilt has shot 28.4% from the three-point line. (laughs) 346th overall in the country. Let me repeat that. Vanderbilt is 346th in the country in three-point shooting percentage. I want that to resonate because there are only 362 Division I basketball teams in the country, and Vanderbilt is bottom 20 in three-point shooting. If you would have told me this or any Vanderbilt fan in the country 10 years ago that Vanderbilt shooting would be the problem, they would have laughed. That's, because that's the one thing that Vanderbilt consistently had was shooters. Mm-hmm. And now Vanderbilt doesn't even have that. Yeah. On a team that already lacks size, doesn't even have a true center outside of Carter Lang as a freshman on the entire roster. And their biggest problem isn't rebounding or defending the basket. Mm-hmm. It's shooting the ball from three and defending the three. Yeah. Because it's not just the shooting percentage. Vanderbilt is also giving up a made three-point shooting percentage of 37.2%. 340th in the country. <laughs> Let me repeat. 340th out of 362 teams at defending the three. And somehow they are worse shooting the three than defending it. This is an indictment of Jerry Stackhouse not having any idea how to build a successful college basketball roster. And amazingly, before we go to your take on this, Trevor, Vanderbilt's actually shooting worse in SEC play than they are overall. They were shooting better in out-of-conference play. Vanderbilt is shooting 25.5% from three in SEC play, tied for the worst in the conference with Texas A&M. Let me read off the percentages Vanderbilt has shot in their first six SEC games, which they have gone 0-6 during. Vanderbilt, opening SEC game against Alabama, 26.9%. Alabama shot 40%. Against LSU, Vanderbilt shot 25.9%, 7 of 27. LSU actually shot worse, 18.8%, 3 of 16. Against Ole Miss, Vanderbilt shot an impressive 22.2%, 4 of 18. Ole Miss shot 40%. Against Auburn, Vanderbilt shot 22.2%. Auburn shot 32%. Against Mississippi State, Vanderbilt shot 22.7%, 5 of 22. Mississippi State, 28.6%. Not good, still better than Vanderbilt. And finally, against Tennessee, Vanderbilt shot 30.8%, 8 of 26. Tennessee shot 40.9%, 9 of 22. That's as simple as I can make it. This team can't shoot that's it this team has never been able to shoot consistently under jerry stackhouse this year is at an entirely different level of inability to score the basketball yeah you said imagine going back in time and telling a vandy fan 10 years ago hey in the year 2023 this team is going to be shooting 25 percent in conference play imagine going back to a fan who is a vanderbilt fan during the bomb squad era and going back, and, and and they're watching these guys just absolutely shoot the lights out of the gym and be like, hey, in a couple decades, Vanderbilt's going to be shooting 25% from the three. They, I think they would have an aneurysm right on the spot. It's, it's mind-boggling how Vanderbilt has gotten here. And heading into the season, you looked at the roster and said, this team doesn't have enough shooters. Mm. And when you look at the injuries Vanderbilt has dealt with, Colin Smith tearing his Achilles, very unfortunate injury. Colin Smith is not a dead knockdown shooter. No. He's a decent shooter, good scorer, but not just a spot-up shooter guy. Mm-hmm. You've also lost Lee Dort to off-the-court issues. Definitely not a shooter. No. He would have helped provide size down low, but he's six foot nine, not going to be scoring from the outside. There are no injury excuses about the percentage Vanderbilt is shooting from beyond the arc. Another thing I wanted to hit on, you may be sitting here thinking, why is Jerry Stackhouse being praised for his offensive prowess? This offense takes forever to get into, and it feels like an NBA ISO offense that just results in a guy trying to play hero ball, and it never seems to be an assist resulting in a wide-open shot. Well, on Ken Palm, you can look at assist to field goals made or assist percentage. 
which is a stat that's commonly used to see how well a team is moving the ball and spreading the wealth. Vanderbilt ranks 334th in the country in assists per field goal made, meaning that it's not just in your head. Vanderbilt is playing an ISO NBA style offense, and it's not working. The announcers on SEC Network obviously have not done their homework on Vanderbilt because constantly I was hearing, look, you never see guys around Vanderbilt's offense standing still as I was watching guys on Vanderbilt's offense actively standing still for an entire possession. Vanderbilt consistently does not get into their offense until the shot clock is below 20. That's just a given. And Vanderbilt does a very poor job of passing to the open man for open, easy looks. Everything is difficult. Mm -hmm. Every shot is so difficult. Everything is a war to get an open look on the inside or to finally get an ISO made three. It feels so tough. Mm -hmm. I don't have an answer. I think the answer is it's time to move on from Jerry Stackhouse. I know the buyout is huge, but what has he shown this year? Any improvement from last year? Any improvement from previous years? No. And the and the quotes from Stack keep being, we're young. We lost some key pieces. Losing QMB and Liam Robbins was big. You lost QMB to Citadel. Mm-hmm. To the Citadel. If you wanted QMB, you could have kept QMB. Yep. This is an issue with Jerry Stackhouse being in over his head. I don't say that because he knows nothing about basketball or doesn't know anything about basketball. He had an 18-year NBA career, was the number three overall pick in his draft. He knows basketball. He does not know how to build a college basketball roster. NBA and college are very, very, very different. And right now, Jerry Stackhouse is trying to run an NBA-style offense with mediocre college basketball players, yep. and you're seeing the results. And the offense, and the, and the offense has not changed. This has always been Jerry Stackhouse's offense, and it looks kind of good. Whenever you had a slasher like Scottie Pippen, whenever you had Scottie Pippen Jr., you saw the exact same offense. Scottie would bring the ball up court, and like you said, it would be ISO hero ball. Everybody back off. Let Scottie do his thing let him drive. Sometimes he would dish it out, but mainly most of the time it was Scotty to the hoop. That that could work, and it did work to an extent when you had a guy like Scotty Pippen Jr. The issue with Jerry Stackhouse is the refusal to adjust your, your strategy or the way you play hoops. I'm going to, Phoebe, I love you. I'm going to smack the hell out of this cat um, if she does not stop being so insane. The issue with his offense is it's, it's just the same. It does not change based on your personnel. And what a good coach, no matter the sport is, no matter it could be baseball, it could be basketball, it could be football. Bad coaches say, hey, this is my scheme. This is how we're going to run it, point blank period. What Jerry Stackhouse needs to do and what every good basketball coach does is they look at the team, they look, okay, what, are the, what is this team's strengths? What is this team's weakness? What are they good at? And let's run an offensive system that plays to their strengths. As a coach, you should never be stuck in your ways with the scheme. You should never, ever. If you look at a team and you're like, hey, they do this well, you need to run an offense that facilitates that and lets guys uh, get their hands on the ball and lets them do what they're best at. If you have a team that shoots the heck out of the ball and you have nobody down low, then you run an offense to where you get them open looks in the corner at the top of the key and you live and die by the three. If you have a slasher like Scottie Pippen, nobody on the outside, let that man slash and hope that it opens up something on the outside. If you have bigs, put it down low, let them work. You do not stick to a specific scheme and say, hey, you guys play to this. No, your scheme should change and evolve based on your personnel, and he has not done that. And at this point, I want to make this point too. At this point in the season with the current state of the roster, I actually don't think it's fully a Jerry Stackhouse offensive scheme problem. I think that is part of it. But I think it's just this roster is not an SEC caliber basketball roster. Mm -hmm. The talent is just not there. That doesn't excuse Jerry Stackhouse. He is responsible for the talent on the roster. It's not an injury thing. This team at full health is not good enough. We talked about that in the preview of the season, that this team has not improved from where it was last year. If anything, you're just hoping to ride the same wave that you had at the end of last season that resulted in an 11-7 and SEC record in a 20-plus win season. It still wasn't good enough to make the tournament, yep. but you're thinking we can capitalize on this. There's enough with Tyron and Ezra. 
You're hoping shooting, that backcourt carried you to the promised land. But the shooting is just not there, and there aren't enough scores. There are too many times when Vanderbilt's lineup on the court is full of guys that cannot shoot. Jaqueline Roberts, J.Q. Roberts. You have Jordan Williams. You'll have Malik Presley all on the court at the same time with Ezra Mignon or Paul Lewis at point and Vin Allen Lubin or Tassos Comateros at the center. That's not going to get it done ever. And Graham Calton <laughs> being <Uh-oh>. <laughs> on the court <laughs> in the first half of an SEC game, that's fireable in and of itself. Yep. He cannot be on the court. That is a guy that would not get minutes at Tennessee Tech. I'm not meaning to shit on Graham Calton, but holy hell, that is not an SEC basketball player. It's just not. And so at this point, I don't think there's anything you can do. There's no fix. There's no redo the offensive system. There's nothing specifically I can even point to in the X's and O's right now outside of having more off-ball movement for Jerry Stackhouse to say that's the fix. Right now, you don't have enough shooters. You did a poor job recruiting, a poor job replacing the talent you lost last season, and now you have to lay in the bed. Mm-hmm. You have to lay in the bed of shit you have created. I messed up that saying I was trying to say right there. You have to ma- you have to lie in the bed you made. What is that saying? I think that's the right one. Whatever. Lay it is. in the bed you made. Yeah, whatever it is. You have to reap what you sowed, and you sowed nothing. And now Vanderbilt fans are having to pay for it. Candace Story Lee, please. Please fire Jerry Stackhouse. And that's all it takes is is Candace Story Lee. I'm sure she's getting uh, emails. I used to email um David Williams whenever I was pissed <laughs> off. I actually, whenever I was like 16, 17, I still have emails in my inbox to where I'm like emailing him. I'm like, hey, you need to fire Derek Mason. They're actually really, he actually responded to one. He just said, thanks for your support. David Williams stuff from my iPhone. Um, Respect. Hey, thank you, David. Um, Candace, all, all it's going to take, all it's, you just got to fire him. That's all it's going to take. That's to get fans back on your side, to get to get butts back in seats. You just gotta fire him. That's all it takes, and it's it, they're making it so much more difficult. Well, it is difficult. They, they've they've, they've, they've made, made it. They difficult. have made it. They have made it yeah. difficult. You have made it difficult to get fan support. It's an eight million dollar decision, but I guarantee you, Trevor. I don't know if you want to go in on this pact, but. The game following the firing of Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, I'll be there. Whether that's the first game of next season or it's a game this season. I'll be there. I will be there. I'll be there. 100% I will be there. I know other fans feel that way because it will show the administration at least acknowledges Mm -hmm. what we have seen. I'll be there. Right now, I'm hoping this kind of icy, no quotes about Jerry Stackhouse either way from the administration. No support, but also no condemning. I'm hoping that's the way of saying... They're just playing out the rest of the season. We don't support what we're seeing, but it makes no sense to fire him and just increase the amount we have to pay at the buyout. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I understand that. But if there's not a very quick decision made after this season ends, might be time to riot. Yep. Yep. It, Other, might, it might be time to chain yourself to McGugan. It might be. Trevor, anything else you want to add on episode 257 here? No, sir. Well, that's about it for myself, Will Byram, and my co-host, Trevor Hewlin. This has been episode 257 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.